Today on the podcast, Commissioner of the Public Service Commission, Jason Holzman. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things Missouri energy policy and politics and beyond. I'm Executive Director of Renew Missouri, James Owen, running the boards, Danielle Wilson. But we're going to cut to the chase today because we are on location and have a very special guest. We have newly minted Public Service Commissioner Jason Holzman. Commissioner, hello. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, now, you are very new to the commission. Just a little over a month. Okay, great. Um, and we just kind of wanted to have this as an introductory podcast for maybe the dozen or so of our listeners out there who may not know you, may not know you, and may not know anything about your background. Mm-hmm. Um, you're from Kansas City. I am. Born and raised or just born, relocated? Born and raised. Okay. Yeah, I was actually born in the uh, Stowers Institute. It used to be a menorah hospital. Oh, okay. But uh, they, they've since converted it to the Animal Life Science Research Center. Yeah. Um, and that's I was actually tried to track down on one of my visits on what floor the the uh, ward was that I would oh, have been born in. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize it had that kind of background. Yeah. Wow, okay. So you are a Kansas City guy, so how about yeah. those Chiefs? Yeah, huh? very excited about that. <laughs> Season ticket holder. Oh, you yeah. are. Yeah. Went to the parade. Did not get to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. Probably could have afforded a ticket to the game, but could not have afforded the divorce attorneys when I got home. <laughs> You're saying that your wife might have had some my, disagreement my with wife, that? My wife was not as supportive as I was <laughs> in the expenditure, so no, I, I did not go. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so you are a long-suffering Chiefs fan. Yeah, long, long time. Yeah, so it's been a good year for Kansas City Sports. Yeah. Royals in 2015 winning the World Series and the Chiefs winning just this month. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so I was just doing a little bit of research on your background. You uh, you and I have something in common. We're both Jayhawks. Yeah. Uh, I went to Mizzou my right. first two years. Right. Um, followed my high school sweetheart there. And yeah. And I was a third-generation uh, legacy at Alpha Nu at the Pie Cap Alpha oh, House. Yep. Uh, and then got an opportunity to go to South Carolina and Charleston, South Carolina at the College of Charleston to work on a Senate uh-huh. campaign, a U.S. Senate campaign. Oh. Elliot Close was a businessman there running against Strom Thurmond. Oh, we've heard of him. Yeah, I've heard of Strom <laughs> Thurmond. And uh, I worked, you know, pretty hard on that campaign, and um, we lost. We got 44% of the vote, and when I was doing the exit polling, uh, the number one answer given for why they voted for Strom Thurmond was to see him break the record for oh. the oldest man in the Senate. So he was what, 96 years old. I was going to say, what year was that? Because he was like 102, 103 when he passed it was away. 1996. Okay. 97. Uh, okay. Was, was was the year, and um, and <laughs> and I, I I called my mom that night and I said, yeah, I just don't think South Carolina is going to uh, hold a political future for me. And and I came back and I had graduated from a Kansas high school. Oh, okay. Uh, Blue Valley High School. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, most of my majority of my friends had gone to KU. So. I'd already done Mizzou and, and felt comfortable that um, I wanted to change. And so I went back and graduated from KU, and I enjoyed I like both. I, I have a picture yeah. of a Jayhawk and a Tiger, uh, both throwing up the number one on the side of Furrow Field. And, um, <laughs> Are I, you I sure root- that was a number one, or is that another finger? Yeah, or- <laughs> it, was, it was number one. Uh, okay. I, root for, I root for Missouri uh, over Kansas. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Missouri born and bred, and so uh, you know I, I'm a Tiger first. 
Uh, but if KU's not playing Missouri, then hey, I'd like to see him win too. Which hasn't happened in a while. No, well, I think they're going to start basketball again. I, I think maybe Bill Self and trying to like do some positive spin for his kind of negative press he's gotten is maybe trying to deflect from that. And trying well, to go it was back ridiculous to that uh, they stopped playing in the first place. I understand they were a little upset that we went to the SEC. But right. at the end of the day, it's, it's good for Kansas City to have yeah. the rivalry. It's good for both teams to have the venue in Kansas City more centrally located. So I hope that they, they start playing football again. It was a lot of fun going yeah. out there ahead for those yeah. games. Yeah, and, and you also, in addition to getting your undergraduate degree at the University of Kansas, you also have a master's. Yep, diplomacy and military science. From uh, Norwich Military Institute in Montpelier, Vermont. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was a distance learning program. It was actually a, a part of the War College. Mm-hmm. They had established it for officers who were stationed abroad. Yeah, it was sort of the first online internet school before there was an internet. And yeah. as, as the internet came into uh, being, this was in 2000. I was the first class to actually have an online component to uh, the the degree program. I had to go do residency in Vermont. And, okay. And complete the course. Uh, and, and it was great. I, I enjoyed the subject matter. People said, what are you going to do with a degree, in, a master's degree in diplomacy and military That's science? That's a good question, yeah. And uh, little <laughs> did I know then how effective it would be in the legislature uh. for 14 years. <laughs> and the art of war and all yeah, of that. Right, right. <laughs> uh, wow, so you lived in Montpelier? Uh, no, I just went there for residency. Oh, so it was I see. just, just oh. a couple weeks at a time. Uh, for each semester. So that state was, is fascinating. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It feels like a different country yeah. in parts of it. It's it's really amazing. Yeah, I don't. Um, I didn't get a chance to really get a lot because I was actually on campus for mm-hmm. a majority of that time. But, um, but yeah, it was, but the, the leaves are gorgeous. Oh, yeah, gorgeous state. Yeah. But you also, so you took all of this education and training. You um, started out, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this is not how you started as a teacher. Yes. Uh, well, I, actually... Started out the very first as a engineer for Sprint for oh. Sprint PCS. I was a network design planning engineer. Okay, I architect the uh, OC one forty eight, and this is technical DS one networks for. Oh um, yeah, the Northeast area, right? And um, you know, I, I had no training in it whatsoever, but I got an opportunity to do it, and so I did it for a couple years, and then I decided that being in a cubicle was uh, not. <laughs> Not what I wanted to do with my life, and uh, a classroom was a better fit, and so I became right. an inner city high school teacher. Okay, so yeah, because just so for people who don't know, Sprint is located; its headquarters is in the Kansas, Kansas side of yes. Kansas City. Correct. Is it Leewood or Overland Park? I can never keep that straight. Uh, I think it's Overland Park. Okay, uh, I know the big, huge campus yeah, there. Yeah, big campus. So you were there, and then I you was decided there for two to two years forego all of that. Yep. I had no training in te- being a teacher either. My I, my undergraduate degree was in uh, U.S. history and political science, right. and, then, and then I got the master's degree while I was at Sprint. Uh, and I went to the uh, Kaufman Teaching Fellows Program. It wasn't Teach for America then, but, it, right. but that's what it came. Or that's, okay, it was similar to that. Uh, so I actually got thrown into a classroom on day one without any instruction whatsoever. Wow! And I had thirty six students and and twenty three desks. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, it, it, nine, it was a four-by-four four block, so it was 90-minute yeah. classes, and, and it, was, it was a challenge. I was going to say, I mean, that has to be overwhelming. I mean, like, because you're not only just dealing with trying to learn the process of teaching and having to be effective at that, but you're also dealing with kids who are largely considered to be unteachable. I know that's, like, part of what Kaufman looks at is trying to go in and trying to fix these uh, school systems, and I know a lot of people say, like, well... 
we don't know what to do with these kids. Well, it's not that the kids are unteachable. Everybody's teachable. The, mm -hmm. the, the issue is the parental involvement and the support structures that are around them. Mm -hmm. Uh, the values that that they come to class with are you know tend to be different in uh, socioeconomic yeah. uh, improved areas. We could do a whole entire podcast on <laughs> education just in itself. Sure, I mean, being yeah. a classroom teacher, you, you you see a lot of it. Right. And, um, and, but yeah, I was I was really fortunate to land in the KCMO school district. I was a assistant head football coach and the head baseball coach. Right. And and really got involved in the in the after school activities. I was mm -hmm. the debate sponsor and student government sponsor and I was the chair of the principal advisory committee and wow. And uh, really found that I enjoyed the uh, part of teaching that wasn't always necessarily out of a textbook. Right. Were you teaching high school? Yeah, taught freshman through senior. Okay. And so in addition to all that, you were, I mean, I was going to get to the whole thing about coaching. I mean, yeah. it, that's also something you don't have any like kind of training? You didn't have any training. No, on? I, I was a high school quarterback. At, oh, you were at, at Blue Valley, but I oh, okay. was uh, I was the guy with the ball cap and the clipboard, uh, standing oh. next to the coach, writing down every play that he called and the defense that was called with him, and then I would spend my weekends breaking down game film for our film session for the whole oh, team. Wow! And uh, Brian Schott, <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer, uh, Marty Schottenheimer's yeah. son, mm -hmm. was our, our quarterback. We went to state. We won state. He was the there. coach of the Chiefs in the 90s? Yep. Yeah, yeah. This was mm -hmm. 1992. Okay. Uh, 91 or 92. Yeah. And um, and so I, I got I was a part of a program that went 36 and 4. It's just uh, wow. I did a lot of, uh, of coaching duties instead of playing, and uh, that paid off a lot more than – yeah, playing wow. for what happened yeah. when I became a coach. Yeah, okay. So you had that background in high school where you right. were working with Blue Valley, which I think is still a pretty good Yeah, they've won six, six state championships yeah. over the last you know 20 years or thereabouts. Not translated to KU football, but uh, no. <laughs> they're not very good, No, just so not. you all know. So, okay, so you were teaching, you were coaching, you were working yeah. on debate. Was there anything you didn't do at this high school? <laughs> well, I, you know, my wife is also a teacher. She's, okay. Uh, she taught fourth grade for 17 years. Uh, she's since moved into the technology department at the school. She oh. teaches teachers how to integrate uh, right. technology into the classroom, which also uh, a challenge. Changes. Yeah, yeah, she does. So uh, I, had, I had her as a resource to kind of lean on to understand how classroom discipline management styles were, mm -hmm. were effective. And I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, five years I spent in the classroom, but uh, I really felt that while I was helping small groups at a time come through, my calling was to help a larger set of the population. Right. Uh, at the time, you remember John Edwards' Two Americas? I do. I, yeah. I felt like I was living in one and working in the other. Right. And so I wanted to get involved on the political side. And, and actually, it goes back to those uh, 30s. 36 desks and the 23 students, mm -hmm. which started my political career, oddly enough. And so uh, I went to everyone I could and said, listen, I've got, I've got 36 students and 23 desks, and there's just, it's just unmanageable. I, right. I can't do this. And everyone, the vice principal and the principal, they said, well, look, there's nothing we can do. Uh, I said, there's got to be something because this, I can't do this. Right. Not, I will leave. And uh, they said, "Well, you can go talk to the school board. That's that's an option." Uh -huh. So I, you know, I'm 26 years old. I, I put a suit and tie on, and I, I go down to the school board, and I stand up there, and I just tell them, I, I, "I've been doing this for six weeks, and I can't do it anymore, and and the kids aren't learning, and it's really difficult." And um, they said, "Well, thank you for for your contribution to the discussion, and and uh, have a good day." <laughs> this and is the Kansas City School Board. Kansas City School Board, yeah. and as I'm walking out of the room you know kind of deflated a little bit because right. no one said anything the superintendent at the time 
uh, ran down and he caught me in the foyer and he puts his finger in my chest and he says, who are you to come down here and chastise us? Oh. And I said, they had a banner in the in the room that said, is it good for the children? I said, look, I'm the teacher who's down here asking if my situation's yeah. good for the children. And he goes, well, you'll, you'll be lucky to have a job in the morning. And this is, you know, I was not a tenured teacher at the time. So I go home and I tell my wife, I said, well, that did not go well. <laughs> and uh, and I'm, you oh. know, I'm, I'm a little concerned that I may, may be put out. And uh, yeah. she said, well, don't worry. You know, you were looking for a job when you found this one. So we'll be right. fine. Did you get fired? Uh, uh, no. In fact, uh, the next morning I showed up and I thought, I really did think that I was in trouble. Right. Uh, my principal calls me up to the cafeteria and her and the vice principal are standing there and, and they're both have clipboards and, and they're, <laughs> they're like, follow, follow us. And they walk me through the cafeteria kitchen yeah. out, to the, out to the back loading dock. And I said, "Whoa, wait a minute! I'll leave quietly. You don't have to. You <laughs> yeah. don't have to off me here." And, uh, <laughs> I was going to sound. It sounds like something out of Goodfellas. <laughs> and, and, and the principal, who I love to this day, Mary Long, she she is a wonderful public servant and a great principal. And she looks at me and she says, uh, "Do you know what you've done?" And I said, "I said, Doctor Long, you you told me to go to the school board. It was right. your idea. I, I was I was desperate." And uh, she turned to the janitor and he threw open the door on a, a large uh, moving van that had 75 brand new desks in it for the entire school oh. and so at that at that moment uh, a little fire was lit inside of me that it said listen courage and action go together yeah. for results and uh, that's that's kind of what started my political what career. a story yeah. that's so that actually prompted them to do something even though they kind of just it even, seemed like yeah, they blew e- you e- off. E- even at the time when it seemed like uh, they were very upset at me they realized that um that I was right and that this, yeah. this couldn't go on. And so they brought the new desks out and, um, and that from then on, I just realized that if you speak up and, and speak out and you're right, then sometimes things happen. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, and it's also important for people that don't know, I mean, Kansas city school districts has had unique challenges to it. I mean, it is yeah. a, uh, it is kind of a, a city that's seen as kind of having a, a racial divide in the kind of the middle of it. Right. That has had an impact on how school, how it's been appeared that schools have had, Funding uh, allocated, and also I know there's been issues with desegregation and accreditation. Accreditation, yeah, yeah they were provisionally accredited the whole time I was there. Yeah, it is. It has been an enormous challenge for a really large city, and for a really long time. Right. I mean, the last le- they hadn't had a levy increase since 1967, and the only time they did was in '85 when a judge ordered it. Yeah. To 495. Right. And by comparison, I'm just a little south in a in a urban. Uh, district called Center, where my wife works and both my children right. attend, and our our levy is like six seventy five, so mm-hmm. it's a full two dollars higher. And it, and we voted to approve that levy, you know, two or three times. Sure, so the community has to be involved for education to be successful. Right. So this says so you get this, you kind of accomplishes this, lights this fire. What what year was that? Uh, that when? would have been in two thousand and four. And you ran. I, I, I won my office in my primary in August of 2006. Right. So it was about two years later that I finally kind of got my ducks in a row and realized where I want, how I wanted to apply. Right. Um, you know my my effort yeah. towards public service. So was there a general election uh, opponent for you? No. Uh, we had a writing candidate that year from a uh, large church that oh, was okay. in my area called the International House of Prayer. Uh, uh, they actually sued the International House of Pancakes for like some yeah, sort of they, like copyright thing, didn't they, or well, trademark I think, thing? I think it was the other way around. Oh, I think, I think the pancake came first, um, and they lost. I think maybe. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't follow it that closely. I, I just know, you know, at that time, 
Uh, they were a large church, yeah. you know, 2,000 plus members, and I was in the small house district. So we took it seriously as yeah. we do all elections. But winning that primary was, was you know, essentially securing the seat. Yeah. How many I mean, how many people were running in that primary? It was me and another gentleman. And um, uh, he was tabbed by the establishment to take over for my predecessor, right. Kathy Jolly. He had, oh, her, he yeah. had her endorsement. Yeah. Um, he had 25 other endorsements. My labor union, I was a member of AFT. Uh, right, they endorsed him. Oh, gave him a max contribution of my dues <laughs> oh. on the on the eve of the election. Um, I had one endorsement, and that was the Wednesday Sun, the little local newspaper that uh, was there. It's it's gone defunct now, but I had its endorsement, and uh, I only raised sixteen thousand dollars. Wow, that was the uh, lowest dollar amount raised for a victory in the state. That yeah, year. and uh, just just shoe leather. You walked. I walked. I walked, and I knocked. Yeah, how many how many times did you say you knocked on every voter's door? You know, I mean, in that race, I probably knocked on three thousand doors, and we knew we had a win number of about fifteen hundred. I ended up getting like fifteen seventy. Wow! Like that. So we wow. we we were pretty right about our numbers. It, it, you know, a lot of politics comes down to uh, preparation, and, and it really is a science. It's kind of like a merger of science and art. It's, yeah, it's a craft. Yeah, uh, because you know, if it, it was all science, then we would just let artificial intelligence run it for us. But <laughs> but it, you really do have to pay attention to the numbers, and um, and kind of go off of what you know. Yeah, you know, information is power. Data is power, and and those who can get data and use data are going to be successful. And that's why we see all this geofencing today. The, the right. technology that that gets into your phone and when yeah. you get on Facebook and. And uh, YouTube or wherever mm-hmm. else you're to di- right now, you're seeing nothing but Bloomberg uh, ads. I every time I got on social media, that's all I see. They're 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 covering all those bases. But back then, 2006, you know, there was no Twitter, no, no Facebook, no. no social media. No, uh, I was one of the last classes of uh, of elections that did not have that type of influence in it. It was literally door to door, hand to hand shaking. Yeah, and um, I ran for state rep that year. In oh, Springfield, you? yeah, I got beat by B.J. Marsh in the general election. He was like a very uh, old, had been around. Yeah, and I hot summer. It oh, was a very hot summer. Hot summer. <laughs> and, and, and if you remember correctly, uh, gasoline was four dollars. Oh, that's all 50, people can talk about. Four dollars thirty cents. Four dollars fifty cents a gallon. And I actually employed a golf cart, an electric golf cart that I charged every night. <laughs> yeah. And I called it the Holzman Hybrid. And I, <laughs> and it was it was like my foray into energy. Yeah. Um, and I realized there were two. Th- my mother. Uh, who since passed this summer from pancreatic cancer? Oh. God rest her soul. Yeah, uh, she drove my golf cart, and there were two things. <laughs> there were two things at the yeah. polling locations that people remembered because because politics is real simple. It boils down to do they remember you and right. do they like you? Yeah. If they remember you and they like you, they will overlook a lot of the policy stuff. That's right. And uh, they remembered that I had my mother with me, and they remembered that I drove the golf cart. Wow. And, and those were two things that stuck. Mother out is a saint. Man, they. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it was a hot summer, so yeah. she she would ride us alongside, and I would I would knock on the doors and and you know put the yard signs out. And wow, those, those were good days. That was a long time ago. That was uh, fourteen years ago. Fourteen now. years ago, yeah. So you, I remember when I um, I interviewed your current new colleague Scott Roop about when he joined the house, and he was very blunt with me that he hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the house. Now he was in the fun. majority. And you were in the minority there. I've been in the super minority my whole career. Yeah, I mean, I I, I joke that I'm. Ginger Rogers, you know, I have to do everything that they have to do backwards in right. the heels. Right. I mean, that, okay. So in 2006, it was not the same level of kind of minority status they have now. There were not more quite. people. I think we maxed out at 74 after yeah. the 08 
Oh, wait, elect 74 members out of 163. Which, yeah, which I think, like, to get majority, you have to have, like, 83? 80, 82. 82. 82, yeah. So you're relatively close, but that still depends, that still determines who gets to be chair of the committees, yeah. who runs the place. Right. So it's still a challenge. Yeah, I looked at my house years as kind of like being a passenger on a train where I never knew where the destination was. There's right. no brakes and no windows, and you're just told to get on and off. <laughs> and and it was so. And when I got in the Senate, at least I got a break. I could reach up when I didn't like where we were going. I, I got a window. I could see where we were going. Yeah. And then I could pull the brake whenever I felt that we were going in the wrong direction. So do you feel like the, I mean, so do you have any kind of memorable event or kind of benchmark from the house that you can talk about that you're like most proud of? Yeah, absolutely. We When I, when I first got in, again, the Mark Twain quote, if all you need is uh, ignorance and confidence and success is assured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was me. I was a freshman minority member. I was 30 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. I just come from teaching inner city kids. You yeah. Know, nothing to lose. And um, I found a little issue that uh, P.J. Wilson, the founder of... I've heard of that guy. Yeah, heard of this guy. <laughs> uh, he, he, he walked into my office one day and he said, hey, you know, um, we, we'd like to see this idea of net metering yeah. uh, get passed. And, and um, we, we've been trying for a long time and, and we didn't know. And, right. Um, he, he, he gave me this language and, and said, take a look at this. And we started working on it together. And that was my first introduction into energy policy yeah the language that surrounds energy policy and uh, i said well we can't call it net metering we got to do something else so we came up with a, a term called the easy connection act yeah um it was 18 pages long mm -hmm. and we started working on it and and we we perfected it uh we started trying to move it through and i just didn't know at that time that freshman minority members weren't supposed to pass legislation so <laughs> Uh, I kept I kept going and and we had to break out the defibrillator. I mean, it was pronounced dead a handful <laughs> yeah, of times by right. utilities. Right. We kept shocking it back to life, um, and then I think you know I started finding allies along the way in different parts of the chamber that I didn't expect. Right. You know, I started finding conservationists who uh, were concerned about their hunting grounds. I started finding um, independent-minded Republicans who mm -hmm. were concerned about controlling their own energy destiny. Right. And started finding other things than climate change, or we, we called it global warming back then. Right. It hadn't really morphed into climate change yet. Uh, that, that resonated and found a language that, that was more uh, receptible to right. the Republicans. And so um, ended up uh, trying to get that bill attached to a number of bills. And on the last week of session, two days before session was out, there was uh, Senate Bill 54 at the time. It was a renewable portfolio standard that was non-mandated. It was a voluntary. It was a voluntary right. one. It was uh, uh, Senator Chris Costers yeah. at the time. Was he still a Republican back then? He was still a Republican. Okay. <laughs> we and, need to probably uh, have like uh, charts for that, but yeah. And I remember um, I, I was successful in getting the amendment attached to Senate Bill 54 in the last week of session. Uh, and then once it was on, it went to conference. Yep. And um, Senator Coster walked into my office. Keep in mind, I'm a freshman House member in right. the smallest office in the building. Yeah. Senator <laughs> Senator Coster walks in, and he says, "Tell me about your amendment." And I did. And I, yeah. I, I explained it to him. I told him what it did and why it does it and what it, why it was important. And he looked at me and he said, "Fair enough. I'll keep it on." Wow. Wow. And uh, and it did. And uh, we we got it passed and it got signed into law by and, a Republican governor. Um, yes, yes yeah, yeah, by yeah, Matt, Matt Blunt. Blunt Matt Blunt mm -hmm. signed it and uh, that led to Coster and I going to Israel for oh, uh, a okay. week to study renewable energy there in that oh. country 
Wow. Um, and that sort of really, you know, lit my appetite for renewables and, and seeing, you know, they, 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 they talk about being in a, an environment where they're surrounded by folks who don't like them. Right. And so they don't have a lot of trade partners. That's, so, yeah. So they have to generate an independent energy source. Oh, and yeah. they've got a lot of sun. They and do. So uh, they mandated the hot wa- solar hot water heaters there and, and uh, had just some really amazing innovation going on wow. in the country. Wow. And so I brought all that home with me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that led to PJ and I teaming up on the uh, 2008 Proposition C, which yeah. was the mandated renewable energy standard with the yep. $2 watt solar rebate. Yep. Uh, we, worked, we worked together on that. And then it followed up the next year. I did the PACE legislation. PACE. Yeah, yeah. Wrote, wrote, wrote pace. Still, a, still a hot topic over in the Senate yeah, in the House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Wait, I'm sure the folks who don't like it were waiting for me to leave. <laughs> um, and and then, uh, you know, that just it just kept going. I, I was the chairman of the renewable energy. Uh, Speaker Tilly at the time yeah. made mm-hmm. me chairman of the renewable energy committee, and uh, we studied the issue back and forth because we had a problem with the the PSC and set the rules on the uh, uh, incremental increase for the cost cap. Now, right. your listeners have no idea what I'm talking about, but, but essentially <laughs> the amount of renewables was going to be capped by one, could not go up more than 1%. And the question yeah. was, mm-hmm. was that 1% aggregate over the life of the mandate? Right. Was it 1% a year? Was it 1% at each level? Yeah. And the PSC had decided that it was going to be 1% at each interval. So every time mm. you went up a step in the RPS, right. you would get a new 1% because yeah. that was logical. How would you possibly achieve you know, the entire RPS if you only had 1% aggregate? Right. You would get 1% of renewable yeah. energy, and that'd be it. But uh, SCR1, the year later, uh, essentially through, went through JCAR and said that that wasn't correct, that it was actually 1% aggregate, and then it went to court mm. and... And we had all sorts of problems from there. Yeah, because I think one of the things that's important for people to know, because we talk about ballot initiatives all the time, if it's not a constitutional amendment, there is still a lot of work that has to be done at the legislative level, at the regulatory level, through the courts. I mean, that is just almost like a first step right. sometimes. So you were very involved and engaged with yeah, that at the all, House level. All, all the way. And uh, that's when I really learned how difficult and complicated energy policy really is. Right. And how many moving parts there are and yeah. how, many, how many stakeholders there are. And, and being chairman of the Renewable Energy Committee um, opened my eyes yeah. to what it's going to take to move us to a carbon-free generation mm. system. Because is, is that your goal? Was that your goal I, as a I think, lawmaker? I think in the end, it has to be everybody's goal. I agree, um, yeah. We, we, we need to have the political will to look at solar panels is the 21st century victory gardens yeah and and that is a it's a responsibility of our citizenry not necessarily government with the help of the utility to get us into place now i'm fine with the utility owning the power or owning the panels right and having a role in um in in making money i mean honestly because yeah. that's what drives the, they're a the private reliability. business yeah you got to have reliability uh, so I'm fine with them having a role in this, but at the end of the day, if we're going to at least do our part, because yeah. the, you know there's arguments, scientific arguments on both sides as to how much human interaction is actually causing this uh, this, this warming trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but assuming that we are causing it, we have to do our part to try and mitigate it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's right, and I think uh, I'm I'm glad that PJ Wilson came into your office that day. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a monumental day. Yeah, and, and so now you know I, I served uh, six years in the House. I then, did eight. This is my eighth year in the Senate. Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know, we have term limits in the state. You have eight years in the House at max, eight years in the Senate. You did not. You did not finish all your terms. You could have done in no. the House. You ran for Senate in 2012. So who was the state senator before that? I'm Jolie Justice was. Yeah. Okay. And through a quirk of redistricting, her number, she was the 10th Senate, senator from the 10th. Oh. It got moved to Callaway. Right. And so she I, became the senator for Callaway for two years. Yeah. And, my, and, and yeah. the number I ran under the 7th got yeah. moved from St. Louis to Kansas City. Right. Opening up the seat early for me, earlier than I thought it was going right. to be. Right. And so I jumped into that primary and uh, ran against some pretty tough competition and won. Yeah. And um, and then had, you know, eight years in the Senate, which I adored. I, I, I look at it. I would have ran again, honestly, mm-hmm. if, if term limits were not, a, not forcing me out. Uh, I enjoyed being a senator and um, would have stayed. I look at it like this. Someone asked me when I was at uh, the conference this last week to kind of compare the difference between being a legislator and being yeah. a, uh, a commissioner. And while I've only been doing this for a month, so this, yeah. this might change. I felt like when I was in the Senate that I was in a skiff made of paper on an ocean an inch deep. So I was never really in danger <laughs> okay. of, of falling out of the skiff. Right. But, but I could go wherever I wanted on that ocean. Yeah. If I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. energy policy, I could you know, put my sails up and go there. If I right. wanted to talk about health care, I could put my sails up and go there. And the ocean really was as vast as my mind could, right. could take me. Now I feel like I've been thrown into a thousand foot well <laughs> that is deep and dark and it is siloed and it is a it is a uh, you know, a specific set of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It is a um, very dense and complicated world where I because of my training to this point, I had the subsurface stuff pretty well under control. Yeah, yeah. But now when you dive into the rate making uh, it's it's a little bit more challenging than just understanding the surface level of RTOs and, and yeah. that. But, but but we're learning, and I've got a good staff. Uh, yeah. Christy Manning, who is the uh, state director of uh, Missouri's Department of Energy, uh, she is my I guess chief of staff. Yeah, would be advisor, be advisor, advisor consultant. Yes, yeah. uh, and so and she was with the former chairman of the PSC, Dan, Dan Hall, Hall. Who, yeah. who whose uh, spot I took. Yep. Uh, so I'm in I'm in good shape in terms of having folks who are around me. Uh, Senator Sylvie and I, he's now Chairman Sylvie. Right. We we basically did our whole careers together. So because he's also from Kansas City. He's also I, he represented North Kansas City. I represented South Kansas City. Our houses were exactly 53 miles apart on the state line each. Uh, we're we're 21 days apart in age. <laughs> oh um, wow. Yeah, so he, he will tell you he's younger than me by 21 days. I would tell you that I'm wiser than him by 21 days. And uh, and so we, we, we've had this relationship uh, that has been mutually beneficial, and he has been very valuable to me as well, trying to adapt uh, with life after the Senate. Yeah, right. And so you worked with him on, at the Senate as well, yeah. and you're now working with him here. Um, we play guitars together. And, oh, you do? And, yeah, and we went to... Most of the World Series games together. Yeah. And, and we, so we share a love of the Chiefs and the Royals and mo- all things Kansas City. We're Kansas City boys. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of passion about that town from the people there. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a cool town. It, it really is. We, I mean, it's, it, it's people, 
you know, say the Midwest is flyover country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and for those folks, I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry that they haven't landed because yeah. we've got a lot of really great stuff going on in Kansas City. There is. And I really do hope that, you know, even though I'm not a huge sports guy, that you see people like draw their attention to that and discover all these other things when you see that kind of attention get brought to it. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you're, you're new with the PSC. You just left the Senate. You kind of describe what that experience was like. Um, I mean, what, what, what kind of commissioner do you see yourself being? I mean, I know like it, you can't talk about specific things, but what do you, what do you, what, what is, what do you want your role to be here? Well, it, you know, it's, it's defining itself every day. Right. Um, there's, there's, you know, a, a variety of ways you can approach this job. One way would be as a strict constructionist. I'm here to call balls and strikes yeah. and, and I'm, I'm more of a judicial role. Uh, there, there's the idea that, we can influence the direction of the conversation through our interests in highlighting certain aspects of the, the rate cases and, and sort of helping uh, the utilities figure out right. a way that's going to uh, be beneficial for them and, and for the folks who represent. I, th- I really don't see myself as an activist. Um, the other way would be to you know kind of not see the lines that's drawn. I, I, coming from the legislature, I believe that the legislature does set a majority of the energy policy in the yeah. state. And, and I think that you have to color within those lines. So you're not going to see me um, doing something that's completely out of the out of the normal. But I also think, too, I was the chairman. I, I created the Joint Committee on Disaster Preparedness. Yeah. And uh, I, I was the chairman of that committee as well. And so through that effort, I want to bring a lot of what I've learned and understood there to this role in so much as think about the title of what this commission is. It's the Public Service Commission. Mm-hmm. It's not the Energy Commission. It's not the Utility Regulator right. Commission. And I think if you look at it that way, the Public Service Commission, there's no greater public service in my mind than the macro issues that, that we face. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for a disaster? Um, do we have a resilient eco-friendly energy system, uh, you know, do we have fresh and clean water? Right. Uh, do we have a sewer system that's functioned properly? Yeah. You know, are we prepared to deal with the coronavirus? Are we, you know, are, are we... Are a, we? <laughs> you know, that's... that's the, these, these are questions yeah. that are in, ongoing. Okay. Uh, we'll check back in. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't have an answer. So I look, yeah. at, I look at the role not just as a utility regulator, but truly in the, in the idea that the Public Service Commission is designed to have a, what I largely, I know we're partisan in the sense that, you know, we, we have a label when we're confirmed as a right. Republican or Democrat based on the governor sure. who's in power. Um, but I, I see it more as a, as a nonpartisan commission that is there to benefit the public, yeah. that is there to represent the whole state. Even though I've, I've, I've talked about being from Kansas City, you know, I touch all parts of this right. state. Yeah, and and so I try to dis, I try to be a decision maker that takes into mind the rural and urban and suburban and and um, all of the different constituencies we have. Yeah, wow, that's a good way to end. But do you have anything else you'd like to add, or anything else you'd like to tell our vast listenership? <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I mean, other than the fact that um, we're accessible, um, we we have an email address and a phone number. It's not quite like being an elected official right. where you have a constituent services. Uh, we, we don't really do that, but um, but we do. We are here. Yeah. 
And people can come to the hearings. They can watch them online. They can come to the hearings. I encourage you to go if you're in a service territory that has a regulated utility in it, whether it's water, gas, or electric, um, and you hear that there's a hearing coming up, that's your opportunity to weigh in on the issue. Uh, usually, almost almost always, there's a commissioner, maybe not the entire commission, but there's always a commissioner yeah. present. And we're there to, to get your side of the story. And oftentimes, the people's side doesn't get as hurt as often as the special interest. That's true, because you, I mean, there are a lot of interveners, I'm, I, I run one of them, that come here and are here regularly, but I do think, and it's one thing I tell people, you have more control over this area of your life than you think. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's an area, unlike some of these ethereal, uh, big social issues that we fight about a lot of times, everybody pays the utility bill. Yeah. And, and that utility bill, most, more than likely, is going to go up. Yep. I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. That's that right. is the nature of the trend. Yep. So the question you need to be asking is not, am I going to pay more? The answer to that is yes. The answer is, what am I getting for it? You know, what what yeah. what is what is it, what am I getting in return for that increase? And that's kind of where I want to help the utilities see the benefit in making those investments that are going to be long term and are going to be directed towards a carbon free and technologically advanced, resilient, redundant, and um, uh, some, a, a system that we can be proud of. Yeah, great. Uh, any uh, any events that you and Chairman Sylvia are going to be playing at, or that we should uh, well, plug? <laughs> we might we might just start busking in the middle of uh, okay. Main Street. You know, I mean, all right, that's <laughs> look, a reason to come to us. Jeff City. <laughs> oh yeah. gosh, well, Commissioner, I, yeah. I'm still wanting to call you Senator. But I, you can, you can. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I, to me, to me, whenever someone says Commissioner, I genuinely look around yeah. and see who who they're asking for because I'm I'm Senator Holzman. Yeah. But, honorable, but but you know what? You know what? <laughs> I, I I'm sure I'm sure that will change. I'm yeah. sure a year from now it'll be Commissioner Holzman and, and the Senator Holzman will will be yeah. a chapter. You of got this. six years of this. Yeah, five years and eleven yeah. months at least. Five years and eleven months. Yeah. Well, yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Hey, thank you for having me. It, I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. We will uh, hit you up for all the things we want you to do on this podcast in the email. But for the meantime, thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the radio.